0: Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by Goodert Sunglasses. It's the summertime. If you're out for a run or on the beach, you got to take care of those eyes and put some shades on. I've been rocking gooder sunglasses all summer i've got all my friends wearing them because they're light they don't slip they don't bounce they don't fog up and the best part about them is that they are super affordable and start at just $25 a pair so why why break the bank for a pair of $250 sunglasses that you might lose or break you can get like five pairs for half the price and then mix and match them to your outfits My favorite part about Gooder Sunglasses is the name that they assign to all the different shades. And if you go to gooder.com slash Sidious, you can check out some of my favorites. I recently updated that list to include some new ones that I've been rocking. There's two pairs of their Superfly style. One of them is called Dirk's Inflation Station, and the other one is called Shaves Legs Grows Beard. They have the origin stories behind the names on the site, so go and check them out. Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing absolutely nothing at all because there's no discount needed when they're already the most affordable performance shades out there. Go to goodercom Sidious, That's g o o Sidious, Check out my favorites, snag a pair, tag me in your photos. Look good, run gooder, legs are feeling good, eyes are looking gooder. My guest for today's episode is Kieran O'Lenyard. Just a while ago, I was scrolling through Instagram and in a poster for what looked like a concert festival came up, but instead it was for the Not Dead Yet Comeback Tour. So I was curious what it was, and it was Kieran announcing his comeback to professional running. This looks like a very serious attempt because he's working with agent and coach Stephen Haas in Flagstaff, Arizona. He's working out with Edward Cesarek. So I wanted to know a little bit more about this comeback. So we jumped on a call to discuss that along with his disappointment in 2012, a series of injuries, time away from the sport, and that adjustment to the real world. And then ultimately, what is going to make this all worth it, even if there is no Olympics? So this one goes out to all the listeners who want to rekindle that flame in training and sharpen their mindset for a comeback. So without further ado, here is Kieran. All right, Kieran, so I've been intrigued from... All the Instagram posts about the Not Done Yet Comeback Tour, what's the deal? I mean, it seems for real.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's for real now. Um, it started It started back in April. I think I came up here April 2nd, um, called Stephen Haas one day. I was sitting in Portland, pretty hungover, um, not living the best lifestyle, and decided I wanted to go quarantine Flagstaff for a little bit, and um, Stephen was on the other end of the line and said, come up, come up here. And um, at the beginning, you know, there was not really a plan of where to take it, but things have snowballed. And, um, actually not too long after that, I kind of, I knew I was actually getting in decent shape or at least being able to stay healthy and run and got the fire back a little bit. And, uh, and here we are, I think it's, it's turning into, uh, something more legitimate now.
0: Yeah. So a hungover decision usually for me is just like, all right, I'm staying in bed. I'm never moving, never, you know, drinking again. And for you, it's the total opposite. It's like, I'm going to get myself in the best shape possible.
1: Yeah. Well, it might also have been never drinking again, but I didn't, I didn't live up to that uh, I haven't lived up to that quite yet but um no I mean I you know it was I mean you know it's been a crazy year right and, and um it was it was April so I mean I was on the back end of just a classic long Portland winter and I got I'd gotten away a few times from Portland like I'd gone to I'd, I had a work trip to Mexico City I'd gone to LA a couple of times for work and personal so I'd gotten out of Portland but Portland winter is really brutal and and um you know lockdown was hitting and. You know, everyone's working remote and everyone's at home. And I was like, man, I don't want not want to like be stuck at home here, staring out the window to like a gray sky every day. Like, there's got to be a better way to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I actually, it's funny. Before I called Hass, I called Trevor Dunbar and I said, you know, I'm going to go to like one of two places. I knew I wanted to just start doing something good for my body because I was really treating my body like shit. um So I was like, I'm going to go to Tallahassee or I'm going to go to Flagstaff because those are two places I know where I've been able to to just get fit and I'm I'm also surrounded by people who are living a healthy lifestyle you know um and uh I almost I almost like had decided on Tallahassee and then kind of pivoted at the last second when I talked to Hass actually at the time more so because I didn't really want to be at a plane for that long you know I didn't want to go all the way across (laughs) the uh the country to Florida and and obviously now even though Tallahassee is amazing I'm glad I came here because things have evolved as they have you know
0: the poster you posted for the not done yet comeback tour uh, has only one place where it is and it's Flagstaff because yeah. obviously we can't really go anywhere and there's, there's no races, yep. but how did we get to this point? I mean, there's the phone call with, with Hass and the last couple of years you spent in Portland, but this whole entire comeback process from, I guess, really it's a, a, a string of injuries. How did we get to this point?
1: You know, it's really funny. Like I, 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 I was on a run, I was on a run, maybe a solo run uh, last week. And it, it, it dawns on me every once in a while that I'm doing this. Like I, I don't, sometimes I forget, like it's just kind of it organically happened. And then I, I wake up in the middle of a run and I say, oh shit, I'm, this is for real. I'm really kind of getting after this, you know? So in, in some ways I don't know, like uh, it, it's just not kind of organically evolved. But but I do think a part of it is, you know, I walked away from the sport, um, obviously with a lot of disappointment around how my career post-college went, um, a lot of injuries. The Olympics in particular in 2012 were just a disaster, going in hurt, um, going out in the first round, really disappointed, and I think not really being emotionally capable of handling that at the time, um, letting down my country, I felt like, at the time. Um, and, you know, my last race was a DNF at the Portland Track Festival, um, 1,500 meters, and um, in 2016, and, and then I take this long break, and, you know, I've, I've, I've been fortunate to, have, to do a lot of, you know, cool, exciting things in the meantime, um, but... I, I think it started to dawn on me, especially when I came up here in the first week or two that um, yeah, I had, I had left something undone, you know, and I, I wasn't content um, with how I left things. And so um, over the past four years, I mean, people have said to me, like, would you ever give it a go again? Would you ever give it a go? And oh, I said, no, nah, I'm done. I'm done. And a factor of that was just my body was so broken down and beat up from the surgeries. Um, but like I said, once I come up here and had just isolated myself and had, had a lot more time to think. I mean, you're on your own a lot up here, it's super quiet. And then I was running a lot. Um, But yeah, you know, maybe this isn't how I want it to end. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's um, maybe there's a better way to go out. And, and again, that wasn't like Olympics, that wasn't anything, but maybe better than a DNF and in a 1500 meters, you know, uh, like there's gotta be a better way to go out. Um, And then I think the final part is, you know, this virus and the lockdown and where where the world is like, I think you can plan. You can make all the plans in the world. Like you can plan for a, a career, family, life. Sort you know, build these things around yourself. And yet, like I think this is showing you that it can all you know things can change in an instant. Um, variables that you can't control. And so you only have one life. And I was like, man, maybe I want to just get after this one more time and 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 write the story a different way. I guess.
0: So to kind of set the stage for just how impactful 2012 was for you, oh. in 2011, you finished 10th in the world, in the 15th, I believe, in, in, in Daegu, yeah. made yeah. the final. Yeah. At that point in your career, having had success at the NCAA level, this is yeah. the world championship stage. Just how high of a high is this?
1: At the world championships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was actually, to be honest, it wasn't. It's. I felt like I went into 2011 in, in in a similar position to the one I'm in now. I mean, I hadn't run in a long time. My PR was still from high school. I was a 3:48 1500 guy, and I was in high school. And I went to University of Michigan and um, had a string of really bad injuries and my bad luck. I herniated back disc, um, Achilles problem, dislocated shoulder, and then I had a staph infection that took me out for a whole season um, not, not too dissimilar from what Sean McGordy, um, I think it was outlined, uh, called did a piece uh, a few weeks ago on it, um, a bad staff infection and could never really get going. And I, I transferred to Florida state, but I was still a bad runner. Like, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't done shit, you know, and that year I, I went from kind of a total nobody to making this world final. And again, I kind of just happened like I, it, and it was a big stage, but because I think I, I didn't have any expectations going into it. I just kind of found myself there. And I was like, all right, let's let's do this. I'm just out racing people as if it's an ACC championship or anything else. Then I think when I <clears throat> when I you know following that that Worlds, um, I kind of thought you know my mindset was well I went from 348 to 334 in a World Final. It shouldn't be that hard to get to a medal then. You know it seemed pretty simple to me. And so I think instead of instead of taking the approach of okay, let's just keep building on what we have, I, I really ratcheted things up a lot. Um, and, and paid for it. Um, and, and obviously was extremely frustrated. So I think I he, kind of heaped the pressure on after that world championship, I, I would I actually went into that worlds in Daegu. I was just a kid having fun. You know, I was, yeah, just, just chilling. It was, it was easy. It didn't seem like it was, it was high pressure or anything. You know,
0: how intense are we talking about that push into 2012? Like what were workouts like?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, um, I think, I mean, it was definitely different like at, at, at Florida state, you know, I got to the point, I think in that 2010, 2011 season where, um, I was able to do things in workouts that nobody else on the, you know, on the team could really do. So I could really pick and choose my moments that I, that I could, I could let it, you know, I could, I could let loose do, you know, seven eighths of a workout with the team and then ratchet it down as I saw fit. Um, and coach Brayman, you know, my coach there who I'm super close with was, was monitoring that, but also I was monitoring it in myself and never felt like I was kind of pushing too much. And then of course he gets, you know, I joined the Oregon project and it's at the time it's me, you know, Gail and Mo and, and, and Dathan Ritzenhine and occasionally Matthew Sinteritz, um when, when he would come in, he was still in, 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 Eugene, but you know, obviously that's a slightly elevated caliber of athlete that you're training with. Um, and I remember even, you know, that fall, like Ritz was training for the Olympic marathon trials and, you know, I PR'd in, in the five, in a five, in a five, six miler every time I did a tempo run, you know, like it was, I was PRing every week and then, you know, turning around and doing these, these track workouts. Um, and I, I think honestly, one of the things was that, that you know, that I made a mistake and as I spent too much time in spikes, you know, and, 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 and that was on me, that wasn't on anybody else. I think I would, I would spike up a lot in workouts. Um, and then I think there was a big change in surface like Tallahassee was a lot of dirt roads and clay roads, which is soft, but also kind of firm. Like it's not, um, it's not like, um, um, wood chips, and you know the Nike, the Nike Trail was like a lot of wood chips, and I did all my mileage at Nike. And I think there were a lot of variables that just changed. And and biomechanically, even though I'd had this one good year, I hadn't set myself up with enough foundation, I think, to handle some of the work that I was doing, um, and then broke down, which 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 was obviously frustrating because, you know, prior to getting hurt, that indoor season in 2012, I was doing some things in workouts that even in 2011, when I made the world final, like, uh, there's no way I could, I could touch what I was doing. Um, You know, and I think even Alberta was, you know, I think pretty, pretty bullish at the time on what I could do at the Olympic level. And so again, I I felt like I've never had a chance to really showcase that, I guess, you know, the best, the best result I've had at the global championships is just is off that, um, you know, college training environment where I'm kind of playing it low key and, and not pushing it too much.
0: Yeah, so kind of to put us in your shoes for for that time that I guess you were training under Alberto and being surrounded by guys like Mo and Galen and and Dathan, you you had mentioned that at that point you were still somewhat like you felt like you were unaccomplished and hadn't done a whole lot. So what is that like to be in a training group, and is there a feeling that you, that you belonged there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, look, it was. I mean, the thing about that group was like everybody had um, everybody had like a specific focused right like at the time dathan was focused on the marathon trials mo, mo and galen were focused on the 10k and i was focused on the 1500 you know so i mean i, I, I like if, if i was coming in to run the 10k for example and i was running you know a minute a minute slower than what those guys are running in the 10k like maybe you would feel like oh i really need to elevate here in order to feel like i'm kind of of the level um but i came in feeling like you know i'm a world finalist and um let's, let's just go to work. I mean, you know, at the time, like I, 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 w- I wasn't able to do, you know, I would be able to do like maybe 80 to 90% of what the workouts those guys were doing. Um, which I, again, I thought was like, was, was, was really good from where I was coming from. Um, but I think the understanding, you know, I mean, I, I had an understanding that this was hopefully like as uh, my pro career was going to be a long-term thing and you, you were going to build at that point. I knew I didn't have a lot of background. Um, you know aerobically, I hadn't done a lot of running in the previous four years besides that one year <clears throat> that I ran well, but again, I think the big thing that I was missing was um, um, uh biomechanically being in the right place, like when you have a bulging back disc, which I still deal with, when you have a shoulder that dislocates and you carry your arm the wrong like your arm doesn't doesn't move the right way correctly, it causes a lot of downstream issues, and um I think those become exacerbated the harder you train like you can have um biomechanical inefficiencies if you're if you're just a regular person you're walking around and they never show themselves because you're not just you're just not putting that much exertion through your body I think if you're trained tra- tra- the higher level you train at the more exposed your inefficiencies get and I just think I got exposed a little bit and and put myself in a cycle that really carried on for the next four years um instead of really trying to take a step back and take a year year and a half to to correct those i was constantly trying to come back for the next season constantly trying to come back um and that's the that's the nature of pro running in a way because you have a contract you have an expectation to run this championship or that championship by your federation and so you're chasing a lot um and that's again probably the difference coming back now is had four years of a break and actually in with the coronavirus i've had a year i had a kind of a free year to not just build back and running, but also do my hour and a half a day where I'm correcting all of these little things, which to me actually I think is more important than the running piece.
0: So you've kind of already like touched on it briefly about London 2012 being uh, a disappointment. So you got in the the first round and then, and kind of preparing for this and and doing the research, you know, everyone comes across the famous TV interview that you did. Right yeah. after.
2: If you're on um, lack of race action, what are you reading of that? Uh, My Achilles, everything. I'm just not cut out for right now at this level, so time to reevaluate uh, what I'm doing and uh, yeah, see where I'm going to go. Uh, I think think my body's going to be able to handle training at this. I can I can pull off last year, but off of not really training very much, just being healthy, can't do the training to compete at this level, so. Seemed to suit you early on, did they? the pace of the race not suit towards the end? Was the kick too much? I wasn't comfortable for anything. I am just not fit. Um, you know, I've only a month of training, even now my Achilles screaming as usual. Every step hurts. Every step all year is hurt. I've um, done everything I can to get ready for the race and be here at the Olympics, but to be honest, you know, I, said, I don't enjoy the day-to-day running really, especially when I'm in pain. Don't enjoy this, so I think it's time to reevaluate figure out something else to do with my life, because this isn't it. So it is a question of going away and reassessing. I wonder what's next up here in uh, Next? I, don't know. I have a master's degree from Florida State University and I'll uh, figure out how to use that. 24 years old, uh, I have maybe time to reassess my priorities and uh, get going and start real life. You're talking like a man who's decided that the, the track isn't the place for him anymore? No, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, look, you guys can decide based off the performance. You guys don't need to talk to me. You saw what you saw out there, so make your own decisions. And uh, yeah. As I said, if I could be healthy, it's fine. But. Yeah, I don't see it happening. So. But what about in advance, Kieran, I mean in the week running up you were in good form when you were out at St. Mary's, so you, 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 you sounded like you were in good form. Well, you have to be, I mean I can't just go in, I mean, <laughs> look, I mean, I'm not going to go up, you know, talk like I'm defeated before I even start, I mean I'm a competitor and anytime I step on the line, you know, I am going to compete, but it just sucks trying to compete on a flat tire, you know. And that's what I mean, the Achilles it was, was, it was just that much? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been train at all year basically, you know, on the training the train doesn't cut it out, that under 15 level, not to mind 80,000 people in Olympic stadium, So you know. The Olympics came at the, at the worst possible time for you? I mean, look, I didn't even plan on making these Olympics. Say, two years ago I was ready to be done with the sport and I was happy, happy out. Not somebody who's worked years and years for this, it's just something that kind of happened, and uh, you know, it's come, time has come, time has passed, and uh, I was on a good plan before uh, any of this running stuff ever came along, so yeah, time to re- revisit that, and who knows, maybe some time away from the sport again I'll rekindle my fire get me healthy but I can't can't uh, think about that right now. All I want to think is get away from it as soon as possible. So get a flight out of here tomorrow probably and uh, go be with my friends, family people close to me and uh, just get away from it. Anger, care, is the overriding emotion. No, I'm not really angry, it's just what it is. I was probably be angry with it. I mean I'm to compete and try to make it happen, didn't happen. I'm not gonna dwell on that, you know. I said, life's too short to be dwelling too much on it, I'll come back, look at this year as a whole, look at what I did see where I can possibly go if there is a, you know if there is a way if I can see myself making it making it back healthy again you know as I said I, I had a great time last year I love competing and I'm a competitive guy I find something to compete in if it isn't running so either way you know there will that side of me I'll need to satisfy it whether I can get myself healthy and running will be the way to do it
0: in it you said you know this has been the worst experience of my life there's no positives I can take from this you said something that like this, was it was, you are going to take the time now to reevaluate your life and your priorities and said like, quote, like this isn't it. Yeah. Super yeah. emotionally charged. Yeah. When that comes up, I mean like, do you have any regrets about that? Because it was heat of the moment sort of.
1: Yeah. I don't really have regrets about anything. I mean, it, it, it was what it was at the time. Right. Um, I was a product of the circumstances around me, And I also, like I said, I mean, I think I'll admit that I wasn't, you know, uh, Emotionally or physically mature to handle the stage I was on at that that time, and and I, I own that 100%. Um, you know, those are the words of an immature kid. I think if if the worst problem in the world, the worst the worst thing I've ever experienced is getting knocked out at an Olympic uh, uh, first round. That I've lived a pretty charmed life, I think. Um, and and I have I have experienced worse things in hindsight, but you know, it's like no big deal. Uh, it, you know, if I look back now, I think those are just the words of a kid who's frustrated and. Um, but, but it's also, you know, the words of someone who cares a lot about what they do. And, um, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I put, um, a hundred percent into, into whatever it is I do. And maybe in some ways have a tendency towards myopia sometimes and, 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 get too intense on it. But, um, yeah, it just, it just was what it was. You know, if I do the, if I, if I, you know, if I do an interview after a race today, it, it wouldn't be the same, but that's because I've learned the lessons I have over time. And, and that's, that's part of life. Right.
0: Yeah. And in it, you said like, you know, you wanted to right the wrongs. What were, what were the wrongs now that you've had years to, to, to really think on it?
1: Um, I mean, you look, I think that year, you know, that year I, I got hurt in February, um, you know, and, and I didn't really run until May, June and I came back and, um, and I ran. I think before that Olympics, I ran like a 357 or 358 miles in Dublin. I think I, I ran like one tune-up race, but I was I was mentally all over the place. I mean, I would I would drop out of workouts. I would like. I remember one day I did like a workout of 300s, and like it was like 10 by 300. And on the fourth one, I just finished the rep, jogged to my car, and drove 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 off. You know, I was just like fuck this. Everything just I just didn't feel. I was on such a mo- good momentum swing earlier in that year where everything was clicking. Um, and then, you know how it is, like, you know, you, you try and run even close to the same splits and it's hard. And instead of, instead of compartmentalizing that and saying, look, this is part of the bill back, you're not going to be where you were, I was just, I kind of threw my toys out of the pram quite a bit and, in workouts and just didn't give myself the best chance, even with the limited amount of time I had before that Olympics, to get the most out of myself. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, righting the wrongs is just taking a more um, balanced approach to um, good days and bad days in training, which everybody has, no matter what level you're at and how fit you are. And then just more, you know, slowly and consistently putting the work in and understanding that this is this is a process. Um, and 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 that's the approach I'm taking now in this build back. Is you know check the little boxes all the way along. Be okay with not being where you want to be. You'll be where you want to be when the time is right. I didn't have that foresight in in 2012. And, and that's again just that's that's immaturity. That's that's a kid who comes out of high school, doesn't run for four years, or you know runs runs very mediocre in college for four years, has a big breakthrough. I was a world finalist in 2011, but was I was I world finalist caliber in my mind? Had I had the experiences leading up to that to prepare me for that stage? Probably not. Um, now now I look back and I say, okay, let's take the physical talent that's. <clears throat> I think there and um, and build some of the the, the competencies, competencies around it to to get the work done in in, in the right way. Um, that's the difference between now and twenty twelve. I think.
0: Mental health wise, kind of, I'm I'm particularly intrigued because there's so many cases, and I think like HBO uh, just did a documentary on sort of like Olympic athletes in particular who really have this stress and and this pressure that they put on themselves to make it to the games and now you have the situation where you're young you have this olympian title for the rest of your life but you got this taste of this the world's biggest stage for sport what does it do for you and how do you cope with that mentally just sort of like that appetite to want to get back there four years from now even in, in an even better stage and so mental like how do you cope with that mentally
1: yeah. I mean, I, I remember after London, I took like a total hard reset. I went, um, I went and saw a PT in Ireland, Jared Hartman, and he did some really intensive PT on me for about two or three weeks every day. Um, and then I took like a five week break. Um, I remember I went back to Tallahassee. My girlfriend at the time was there. Some of my friends outside of running were there. And honestly, I partied a ton for like five weeks, just completely like zoned out, tuned out completely. And, um, um yeah I, I i came back to to eugene um after that olympics and and just literally i like, kind of built from the ground up i i kind of put it out of my mind completely um and set my sights towards that indoor season which actually ended up going, being pretty good i i um i pr'd in the mile that season around 352 and um i hadn't i didn't start training until maybe mid to late october um and and again didn't again just had a kind of a slow and steady build up um not doing anything special in workouts Um, and, and I wasn't at the time focused on, on the, the Olympics, I guess at that time, it wasn't necessarily about the Olympics in 2016. It was more about getting back on the ladder again, um, and putting some good performances out there, um, yeah, and just building some consistency again. So I, I, instead of post Olympics in 2012, looking to 2016, I more so put my eyes on the, the next indoor season, which was European indoors. And, um, yeah, just started doing the work towards that. Um, which which went pretty well but again that was that was um that was you know less than six months after the olympics i came back and i ran pretty well but i got hurt after that season again because again i hadn't i hadn't taken a step back to maybe correct some of the things that had led to the injuries in 2012 so the achilles popped up again and 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 you know the cycle of injury continued after that so um learned some lessons but not enough i think you know
0: yeah, cause, so it was European indoor bronze medal in the three k. What does that do for your confidence going into the outdoor season? But had you have managed to stay healthy?
1: Yeah, I think I think I think at that point I was I felt like I was back. You know, I mean I, I'd run three fifty two with really up and down splits. I think we went out in one fifty four. You know, we ran a sixty one third quarter and then closed. I mean, I think that day it was me, Lopez, Lamang and Centro were kind of right, right there at three fifty one, three fifty two, and I think. You know at the armory i think you, you you put us in our fitness that day on a, on a on a evenly paced race at bu and i think we're we're all threatening 350 in that race and so i think that that was that was good you know that was like okay kieran you're, you're back in business here um and again like if i fast forward to when i get my last surgery and we discovered what was eventually wrong with my achilles we can then go back and look at all of the times where I started to feel it, feel it again and understand why at the time I was just kept getting frustrated that again, after that, after that indoor season, you know, after that European indoors, when I meddled and I ran that 352 mile and had been in spikes again for a while, my Achilles hurt again. And my confidence got shot pretty quick then because I'm like, fuck here I am again now. And then, you know, okay, now we got to go through this all over again. And I missed the outdoor season got the first surgery. Didn't, didn't work, um, tried to come back again in 2014, ran okay, hurt again, and then go to 2015 and finally get this surgery that I think that we, we diagnosed this very, very specific and odd problem with 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 my tendon. That that diagnosis now, retrospectively, allows me to make sense of a lot of the, what was going on in my head around the Achilles. Because at the time, I would keep telling Coach Roland, like, hey, my Achilles hurts, my Achilles hurts. And eventually, he got sick of it, right? Because he's like, look, we've done everything we can. Like we've gone, we've gone surgery. We, you know, what, what, like we're we're rehabbing every day at some point, you just got to get on with it. And I was, I was so frustrated because I was like, fuck, I just can't do like this. My body doesn't feel right. You know? And of course we learned down the road that it is this thing, um, this accessory soleus injury. So yeah, at the time it was really tough because you think you're going crazy. Like you think you're, you know, your doctors are telling you we've done the surgery. You should be pain-free. You're not pain-free. You're wondering, like, is it psychosomatic? Is it? Is this in my head now? Um, am I just not able to tolerate pain? Like I, I used to think, like man, like imagine if it was somebody else's brain in my body. Like would they think this is pain, or is it just me thinking it? You start to question everything about what you're doing and whether you're, you're sane. You know. Um, now I look back and I say, okay, yeah, there was this this very specific thing that was wrong, um, and and it explains a lot, I guess.
0: So it, was it missed by? the doctors or was it just sort of like something yeah. that just flew under the radar
1: yeah so it ended up being um so so when i got when i got my surgery and i got my first surgery in sweden in 2013 and it was by a doctor named hacken alfredson who's one of the foremost authorities on achilles i got it in like some obscure small town umi, i think in the in the north of sweden and um he basically just scraped the tendon down took out the plantaris tendon because he said you know for the type of pain i'm having this is the most common reason he can see the plantaris tendon which runs parallel to the Achilles is causing some friction there take it out scrape down the Achilles do this rehab do your eccentrics all good um that didn't that that worked for like you know until I got back into spikes again then we figured you know the same same cycle repeats itself um I in, two, in 2015 I I went down to see um a doctor named um Amal Saxena in in stanford at stanford um palo alto medical center um he was recommended to me by alberto and um he he took a look at it and i described everything i was saying and he said like he said there's one avenue that hasn't been looked at or one cause that hasn't been looked at that could potentially be the reason you're having this pain and you know um, this sensation whatever but i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to open the tendon up to see if it's if this is what it is, there's no other way. It's not going to show up on any scan. So I'm going to have to put you under. We're going to open you up and we're going to see. I said, all right, let's do it. Um, and what he was looking for was an accessory soleus, where so where it's where um, your calf muscle, instead of attaching at the insertion point, your your soleus, it runs into the Achilles itself down the middle, so it splits the tendon. And obviously, um, I'm I'm not a doctor, but how I explain it to myself in layman's terms is like. The, a muscle and tendon obviously have different consistency, and so they, they move differently, and there's tension. So these muscles inside the tendon um, causing all this friction, causing all this irritation. But when you look at this the tendon on a scan, because the muscle is hidden in there, all you see is like a thicker Achilles, right? So, the, so he basically had to open up the Achilles in order to see if this calf muscle ran in there. Turns out it did. Slice the tendon, pulled the calf out, cut the calf, reattach the calf where it's supposed to be. That's how I understand it. Someone else can maybe have a better explanation, but that was a pretty invasive surgery. So I woke up and he's like, yep, that's what it was. Cool. My Achilles is never hurt again after that surgery. The issue was I got that surgery in July of 2015. The goal is then to make the Olympics in 2016. But by this point I've had two surgeries on that side and my calf is atrophied and, this side is noticeably weaker than the left. And so going into 2016, the the big issue that honestly caused me to step away was not necessarily pain. It was just the fact that I couldn't get my right, my left leg strong enough to be able to function correctly. Um, the pain itself had been eradicated. And so 2016 was just a question. It was just a question of time. I just didn't have enough time to get back from that surgery for 2016. Um, and grew really frustrated when like, in races my right leg was galactic at 800 because it was doing all the work um this one just hadn't built up the strength and i think also i was really nervous stepping on it because i would spent so much time in crutches um it just wasn't enough time to come back and that's when i say okay at that point i i made the decision like i don't know if i want to do four more years i was 28 years old you know um but yeah that, that that was the cycle and and so when you when you see when you when you learn that it's this really specific thing and i think like a very, very small percentage of the population have this accessory solace. And the majority of the time it goes unnoticed because, again, people aren't putting the stress through their body that I would be putting in as an elite runner. Um, so, um, yeah. yeah. It, 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 now I look back and it answers a lot of questions. Like, it says, oh, I'm not, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't in a case. Like, I wasn't just not being tough. Like, there was this, this issue. Um, and, and, again, it probably took me until honestly, 2018 before I felt walking, even walking around that both legs had kind of symmetry again. It just took a long time to come back from that surgery, you know?
0: Wow. So 16, uh, what point did you officially sort of make that decision to, to walk away? Was it Portland track festival and then calling it? Portland track
1: festival. I was done. Um, I said, I was done. I talked to Roland I said, I'm done, you know, I'm done. Um, And at the time, you know, Ben Blankenship and I had trained together, for almost two years leading up to that point. Um, really the two of us kind of as our own, um, little sub subgroup, I guess, of OTC, you know, we did pretty much everything together and we, we we had gotten to be pretty close. And I told Roland, I said, look, um, I'm going to keep training with him until, until the Olympics, you know? Um, and so I, I kept running workouts. Um, I would train with Ben through the trials makes, he makes the team, which was amazing. Um, then I, I do some of the specific workouts with him, you know, I, I jump in and out and I'd work out with Francine too. So I, I want, you know, I was, I was very grateful to, to coach Rowe and, and to OTC and the patients that that they had had with me through the kind of three, four year period of injury. Um, and I wanted, I wanted Ben to see success the Olympics and do what I could. So um, I felt like that was the least I could do. Um, but yeah, P- Portland track festival was, was, was the final race. And then I think, I think, Ben's final workout before he went to Rio was when I kind of said, yeah, this is no more for Kieran. It's time to, <laughs> time to, time to grab a beer and relax for a bit.
0: I remember Ben Blankenship's kind of like uh, rise, I would say to that f- the upper echelon of us 1500 meter running mm-hmm. happened you know, 15, 16, 17, yep. and, and he still got it. Um, for you to have like that front row seat to all of those workouts. what was would you say is the gnarliest one that you left you wowed of of, of something that he did in that buildup?
1: wow um well I remember actually the first the first camp that he and I kind of went on together um so kind of solo we went up to Flagstaff in, in 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 winter of 2014 and and this is before this is before my um I got my surgery in 2015 and before I I had I, gotten a lot of pain back and we were both humming pretty good that training camp, and um, God, I'm trying to think back to some specific workouts. We just hit that camp really hard. I mean, we ran, we were running, you know, 100 mile weeks, 90 to 100 mile weeks. But, you know, it's ice and snow and flag. Um, we were doing some good long tempos on Lake Mary, and then we were hitting that indoor track. Um, I think the the dome, and I think did something like you know, 20 by a quarter starting at 62, 63 and cutting down to 58 off a minute, which at altitude is my really own good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we were, we were going and I think, I think Ben had had, um, you know, Ben had had some injury problems with his hip, um, you know, in 2013, I think. And then in 2014 had a toe thing and missed the outdoor season. So he, he came into that camp kind of, I think, ready to kind of take a step, um, and, and, and I think that was kind of the beginning of his kind of ascension. I mean, he kind of just said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to really go for this. And, and then I think we both are committed to kind of training really hard. And I think just with where things were, like with my body was, I just, it broke, it broke me down and it kind of built him up. Um, which, I mean, like I said, it, it is what it is. Um, and I, again, he's one of the hardest workers I, I know. So, um, you know, I was so, so pumped for him to make that, um, Olympic team in 16 after, after um, after 2050, when he came forth, there was one workout before Rio. He did. I, I, I'm trying to remember the specifics of it. I think it was three by 1200, where you have to you have to run a um, hundred, basically at almost max speed, and a hundred float. Okay. And basically, like you go completely lactic in it. And I think in the first one, he he run like you know was out. You're out because you're out because you're you know you're sprinting and floating. So you're out in like 54, 55, and then you have to hang on, you know, because you're just – you're so lactic, and you have to hang on and run you know, 257, 258. And I think that was a, um, a hands-on-knees churn fest for him to get through those 3, 1200s. It was just the hardest possible way you could run 1200, just trying to run mile pace, but stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Um, I knew when he did that workout that, and, and how he ran it. Um, I don't remember his specific splits, but I mean, they were all, you know, around the, you know, whatever, three minute mark. So yeah, this guy's going to be able to handle pretty much whatever's thrown on him in, 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 Rio. And, and he was, you know, I think, you know, he, he, he was right there in that, you know, people forget, like you look at the results on paper, I forget, maybe he was eighth in the final, but I mean, he was, he was right there the entire time, um, in that race. And I think, um, yeah, that, that workout, once he ran that one, I said, yeah, that, He's going to do something pretty good in Rio, I think.
0: In 16, were you at the trials in, in Eugene?
1: I was at the trials. Yeah, I was at the trials.
0: Because I find that always interesting to uh, when there's international athletes, pros who are in town for the trials, and you know, common people and fans are out and about, and they kind of just assume, not really knowing just how the selection system works in other countries, is they see a Canadian athlete or they see an Irish athlete, yeah. they're like, oh, I guess like if you were on the team in 2012, it's like you'll probably be going... Uh, again to to Rio did you have any sort of those weird interactions where it was sort of like oh it's like how's how's your training going for for Rio or at that point were you were you already sort of like openly done
1: yeah I was openly done I mean I think um you know I uh I can't remember I mean I'd like to think I stayed out of the bars but I probably didn't um no I think people knew I mean people especially in Eugene knew like that I was that I was that I was that I was done um I kept somewhat of a low profile, I think, when I was in the stadium. I mean, I wasn't like, I didn't have a lot of people come up to me. And I mean, at the time, I hadn't run anything in a couple of years. So it wasn't as if, like, it wasn't as if I was this huge, big name or anything, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I love the Olympic trials. Like, I, I just tell people, like, I, I went to my first Olympic trials in 2012. Um, you know, I was trading in Eugene prior to the Olympics and, like, I was just blown away. I'm like, I tell people, like, the Olympics doesn't hold a candle to the Olympic trials in terms of the excitement. I think it's, like, the greatest track meet in the world um that and the NCAA track championships are the greatest track meets in the world and then the Olympics maybe um yeah it's just the the tension is so high you know because if I think you know the Olympics is a bit of a party and that's one of the reasons I almost don't like it in some ways is everyone's kind of happy to be there a little bit because you know it's just kind of a big festival whereas the trials it's like if you're fourth you are a universe away you know even though from 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 third even though you may only be in the 1500 a tenth of a second away and it's just brutal you know
0: um what makes it even more heartbreaking is that fourth place finisher probably has like a time and and, and like a personal best enough to be a world finalist or like well, yeah Olympic of course finalist.
1: of course and i mean that's you know the you know the one thing that makes a comeback like this a little bit easier for someone like me and i'm i'm, I'm i won't you know i won't shy away from admitting that if I'm a U.S. athlete, it's a very different proposition for me to try and make a comeback to make Tokyo from four years off. Mm-hmm. you got to run a time and you've got to beat some really, really good athletes. In Ireland, there are some good runners in the 1,500 right now, but I don't imagine more than three, including me, are going to get the 1,500-meter time. So it becomes very simple. It becomes, all right, can you get yourself in the fit enough shape to run back-to-back 57-second laps, and can you find a place to do it at the right time? And then you go to the Olympics. That 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 is an easier proposition than what U.S. athletes face by
0: a long way, for sure. Yeah. Except for the big hang-up for everyone right now is there's no place really to to run some of those times yet. I guess unless you set up like uh, one of these official races, uh, like in September, November, whenever they're reopening this whole. Entire yeah,
1: yeah. It opens process. in December. I I think there'll be a, I think there'll be there'll be a way to there'll be a way to set them up. And I think we have we have a good enough training group here now that we can we can we can operate as a group and get some stuff done. Um, and I think people, people know the places to get, get it done. You know, mm-hmm. I think the, 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 the question mark will be, Hey, does somewhere like BU have its campus or facility open? Um, but I think, you know, when you see, uh, when you see Bowerman run some of these times, you know, uh, Mohammed runs a 1247 at Jesuit high school. I've worked out at Jesuit high school. It's a really nice track, but you know, it's, it, it it's, like I think back in the day, you think, oh, you got to go to Stanford to run a fast time. You got to go to this track. It's really about pacing, you know. Pacing is really the most important variable, not necessarily the the facility. And so, um, I think we have the we have those pieces in place. We just need we would just need to find a spot. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy time with all that, you know.
0: You touched on sort of like the uh, in the time span how. Irish distance running has changed, but technologically, I guess like right now, I've been obviously talking shoes and spikes constantly, uh, for you kind of it, it, very curiously, uh, these, these new spikes, is there something in particular that you have to look for or adjust because of your, your injury with the, with the Achilles, or are you just good to put on whatever everyone's wearing?
1: No, it's actually works out really well, actually for me and for my Achilles. I, these spikes, even though they are, um, they're super fast They're also quite protected you know um the, the dragonfly which um bohamed and, and lopez wore um in in the in the 5k is is actually worth the other day in a workout and felt like i had more cushioning underneath me than i did in the spike flats we have these spike flats you work out in which is essentially a racing flat with a um a um a spike plate on the forefoot um i felt like i had actually more cushion because you have like a you know, a pretty decent chunk of, of zoom X foam, um, underneath you. And so I, for me, it's actually been quite good. Um, I haven't, I haven't worn, I have worn the, uh, the, uh, the victory with the, with the, with the bubble, um, in, in some strides, but I haven't, I haven't done it in a workout yet. Um, my kind of philosophy is go with the least aggressive option until you feel like you really, unless you feel like you really need the more aggressive option and play it safe. Um, I'll still play around with that. Um, as I, as I kind of run through training workouts and buildups. Um, but as of right now, yeah, it actually, it actually feels like these spikes are, are, are pretty protective, um, as well as being fast, um, which obviously helps someone like me.
0: So I don't want to gloss over, you know, the period away from the sport. You told the Irish examiner that you treated your body to yeah. death and I don't know what that means beyond seeing, you know, a couple photos of you at Burning Man, but what exactly did you mean by that?
1: I saw that quote as well. I don't know if those are the words I used. I don't even (laughs) know what that phrase means. Treated my body to death. I mean, I I had a good time for sure. I mean, I had, I, 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 have, I've been known to, to enjoy a good time. Um, um, I won't incriminate myself too much, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I, I got away from the sport. Um, and, and I think in a positive sense, I, i i I've met some really you know interesting people that that have given me perspectives on on life and that I've carried back into the sport and and really taken a look at it through a different lens and um i think again like professional distance running is such a it's a bubble and it's a bit of a you know an incubator and um it's been nice it was nice to step away from it um and just kind of broaden horizons a little bit and and delve into some dif- you know different things different communities. Um, you know, music being a really fun outlet, Um, see some good sunsets, see some good sunrises um, and, um, and have a good time. Um, I, you know, I think that um, I enjoy a, I enjoy a beer or two. People know that maybe, maybe more occasion. Um, And yeah, I like to have a good time, but I I think that I come back to the sport now, knowing that balance is a pretty important part of, part of, um, of, uh, of, Longevity, I think mental longevity. So, like, if if I'm looking to make Tokyo next year, it's not just about being a being a monk for eight straight months. I think you, someone like me, I can handle that for a couple weeks, and then I go stir crazy. So, yeah, I, for example, I've been building training blocks here where I do five, six weeks of time, and then I go hang out with you know, um, you know a group of friends that I'm really close with that I go to Burning Man with every year, and they don't know me as a runner at all. You know, we we have a good time, and then. Um, then I'm then I'm refocused then I want to get back to training again you know I'm like okay shit like (laughs) my body needs to get back to training um so yeah without incriminating myself too much yeah I I I had I I've had a good time and um that's great but at the same time you know you're left still wanting to to um I don't know you know right those wrongs from 2012 that's the thing right like at the end of the day I, I stepped away I was, I kind of took on this mindset of, I'm not just a runner. I'm not just a runner. Like I want to do other shit, be it work, be it outside of work, completely distance myself from this world. And yet I think the biggest thing I've learned through meeting people away from the sport um, and having experiences that are totally removed from the sport of running is that I am a runner at my core and that it's okay to admit that running is something really special to be able to call yourself a runner is something, um, I think amazing and and also then to be able to have the chance to do it at a high level and maybe even do it as your job and maybe even represent your country at it. So something you love so much and that you're naturally, you naturally have a disposition for is, is a gift that you shouldn't throw away. And I I learned that being away from the sport when I was in the sport, I was super frustrated being like, ah, fuck this. Like I'm hurt all the time. This is bullshit. You know Um, the time where I quote unquote treated my body to death Any epiphanies that I might have had have pulled me back into the sport again. Um, And now I can look at it and say, yeah, like I am a runner at my core. And and, 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 uh, and that's pretty cool.
0: Was there a little bit of like trepidation or just sort of like, I would say having that runner identity be such a big part of uh, of who you are when you decide to to leave the sport as a professional runner now you're cast out into the real world as as people call it and and it's yeah. sort of like the only thing on your resume since college is that you were like a professional runner how did you have to kind of like present yourself in order to 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 get that job uh, you you had I guess like the the fortunate luck of, of landing at, at Nike but was there any moment where you're just like well what, what else did, have I done so far to, to warrant a desk job or something?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a big, you know, I think all, a lot of athletes face this and I think it's, it's something that athletes should really, um, I think athletes should talk about more as a community and rally around each other. in is it the difficulty of leaving the sport and figuring out what's next? You know, I, I, I did a lot, um, i i did a, I did some work with the the footwear teams at, at at Nike when I was an athlete, especially when I was injured. I spent some time like interning there and um, showed kind of pretty early on that this is something that I wanted to do post running like I, I when i when I first joined Alberto, I was still finishing my degree at Florida state so you know to an, an option aside from from doing online classes was to find an internship and I got an internship um, with the footwear team at Nike, which kick started kind of um just a interest for me and passion for 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 sneakers and shoes and led to kind of me transitioning into working in Jordan, kicking off this Jordan running thing um, there after after uh, after I was done, which was which was kind of a cool I think it was a cool balance because it was it was running but it was through a different lens. and I was solving you know I was doing pro, you know solving um, problems for for a different type of runner, football, basketball, baseball guy who's conditioning, um, you know through running product. Um, still kept it, you know, it wasn't necessarily part of my, part of my role, but I, I did a few, you know, fun bits and pieces, did a, did a, you know, did a spike with Centro in a uniform for 2018 pre. So stayed kind of touched in with the sport enough. Um, that was a nice little balance, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think you mentioned like kind of the, being fortunate to land at Nike. I think that, that also in itself took, um, initiative and it took, um, some leg work and like, I think to any athlete that's sitting around, you know, sitting, professional runner that's probably looking towards the end of their career and is stressing about it. You know, there's always ways, I think you can, you can, you can do little bits and pieces to show that your this works, you know, as well as, 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 as your body and that you, you have some chops for, for different things. And I would just encourage people to always, um, you know, most athletes have the time um, find an interest, find a, a project, find mm-hmm. something that you can point to and say, yeah, you know, I was a professional runner but I also did this Um, and then just don't also discount the fact that, you know, even though professional running, people can see it all, you're just running in circles for a living. It does take a lot of, you know, take a lot of skill. You know, it does require a lot of mental mental strengths that I think can be applied to the workplace. Um, I think, um, you know, discipline, I think you can be leadership mentorship qualities if you're on a college track team, for example, Um, you know, dedication, passion, you know, these are all, these are all things that can be utilized. It's obviously easier to a company like Nike that's grounded and rooted in, in the sport of running. Um, running is in its DNA. But like I said, I think there are um, there are ways you can highlight the positives of running as it as it as it lends itself towards other
0: roles. So you were able to still keep some degree of running as part of uh, your job. But to kind of put it like simply, like how out of shape did you get in this span of time? Like, are we talking? pat jeffers out of shape who's someone i want to have on the podcast soon because he's uh, he's jeffers.
1: i mean jeffers was fitter than me up until about two weeks ago so <laughs> not Jeff jeffers out of shape um he's been killing it lately no yeah. i mean i remember um um the, a good buddy of mine brandon workman um he was a, he was a footwear developer at nike um and um someone i really looked up to just as a as, as kind of a mentor in, the, in that space and we became really good friends um while I was, while I was, while I was running as an athlete and, and, and he was working there, he's a little, little older than me. And, um, he, when I retired, um, you know, there was, um, a group of us would drink some beers after work on a Friday. He was a huge Washington state football fan. This is kind of a long-winded story, but I'll show you how out of shape I am. I was, um, and, uh, I'm a huge college football fan. I, I, I lo- I'm a huge Florida state fan, but I, I love college football and I love going to these small college football towns and kind of ex- experiencing the culture and seeing just the the rah-rah, and the, you know, it, it is kind of a showcase of Americana that you have these such disparate cultures that come together for this one thing. Um, And uh, it's Friday night, it's Friday evening, it's like 6 p.m., and Oregon is playing Washington State the next day, and Pullman next evening. Um, At the time, Washington State, they, they were both at pretty good records. I think it was going to be a nationally televised game. And um, after a few beers, we're like, fuck it, let's just go to Pullman. Let's go to Pullman tomorrow, you know? Like, All right, let's do it. So we leave at like 6 a.m. to Pullman, and we get there, tailgate, have a good time, sneak a few whiskeys in into the stadium, having a good time. Washington State beats Oregon, which is great. I'm talking all the shits at the Oregon fans. Super fun. Have a few beers afterwards, and the next day he's like, oh, let's go for a run. I'm like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. All right, sure. And I don't at this point, I'm not running much. 2017, so we're at this game. Um, we finished, we finished this football game and the next day we're going to go for a run. Um, and he we got this cool run spot out of the Palouse. It's going to be cool. I'm like, all right. At this point, I'm like, man, I really don't want to run. Like I'm, 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 I haven't ran in a while. Like I'm not in good shape. And we get like, we get a mile out and I'm like, Hey, like, are you ready to flip it? And he's like, we're a mile into this run, you know? And I am returning to him and I said, man, you're a real glutton for punishment. And, uh, and he just started laughing and we got out a mile and a half and I was like, dude, I got to turn around, man. I like, I, I, I got to turn around. I can't go any further. Take a little break and then rerun a mile and a half back. And like at, to this day, he'll he'll text me. Even if he sees a picture on Instagram, he goes, God, you're a real glutton for punishment. He goes, unbelievable. You could not even, you couldn't run. You were in, like, you were breathing like a train to get to a mile and a half at like eight minute pace, you know? So, I mean, I was out of shape. I was out of shape. Probably a little hungover, but out, but out of shape. Um, yeah, I, I didn't do, I mean, I didn't do a lot. Like I, I, I would, I would do like a three or four, I got a point I would do a three or four mile run, like um, maybe like every couple of weeks um, if someone asked me to, but like it would, I would it would always be somebody trying to drag me out the door. I never kind of like on my own volition would go out and run. Um, so yeah, like when I came up here to Flagstaff on April 2nd, I was not in, not in very good shape and not running <laughs> quite some time. Yeah.
0: Then you kind of get thrown right into, is it, is this just the way you operate where it's, you tell Haas, like, put me, put me with Chez or how long, how long did it take until you got to that point?
1: Oh, uh, that, that was a process. I mean, my first run, I ran with Haas. Um, and I think we ran like, we, I, we, we ran six miles and we ran easy. Um uh, And I was hurting. I was hurting. I mean, we might've been running 730 pace and I was hurting. Um, but um yeah, like I, I think, um, I, I kind of just said, okay, I'm gonna do some of this rehab work as well, you know, and I've been doing that for a little bit actually before I come up just to try and feel my body feel good. So things were kind of moving the right way. Um, I remember I did the run with him, and then the next day I did the warm up with the girls for their workout. They were doing five by mile here, and I did like a three mile warm up, and then I did like another three miles. Um, and that was a Friday, uh, so I did like another six miles, and then on the Saturday I like jogged like 20 minutes. And then Sunday, I was like, I'm going to do a long run. I'm going to do a long run. And I ran with um, Hass and, and, and Shayla Houlihan, who's, who's coaching, um, helping coach the group here, too. And um, I made 90 minutes. He gave my life to do 90 minutes. But actually, at the end, was like, oh, that was kind of fun. You know, I kind of got that, like, endor- you, know, in, 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 you know, when you're doing a long run, you finish, and you have these endorphins. I was like, oh, man, that was sweet. And at the time, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm running. I'm feeling better. Um, I'm out of Portland. The sun's shining. Um And then just, yeah, I just kind of just started, um, you know, it took me a little bit, I think I did like two, two weeks of mileage maybe. And then I jumped in with the girl, you know, the back of the girl's pack for like a workout, um, felt decent. And then kind of felt like actually the running some faster paces felt good. So, um, you know, how has was doing some workouts where like Tuesday would be like a turnover workout in the grass, just some two hundreds, Friday would be like a threshold run, but up here, you know, you have threshold can be quite a bit slower because of altitude and so. Yeah. It's, you know, it started like my threshold, my, you know, I would jump in a threshold run and run six minute pace. Um, that's obviously been cut down significantly now. And on my easy days I would run with pass. I mean, I mean, I mean, Steven still runs pretty good volume, but he's not running too hard at a pace. So I, uh, it was nice. I automatic I kind of found when I came up here, there was, there was people at, at every level to run with. And I guess I kind of came in at the, you know, whoever was running, I run with whoever's running the slowest and then slowly graduate. Um, to the point where I am now, which is, you know, I, 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 Chez and, and, and BS ambassador and are probably the guys who are the fittest of the group. Um, at the moment, I'm at the point to where, and again, they're training for 5k, 10k. So we're, 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 we're training for different, different things, but, um, like I did a 12 run with them today. Um, you know, we're getting down to six up six pace, whatever it is on kind of a steady run day, which would have been my temp, you know, way faster than my tempo run two, three months ago um shows a good progression but again i I did it it was more just like go out and do it and and just kind of graduate through organically um and let it come as opposed to okay this week we're going to go with chess this week we're going to go with this person this week we're going to go with this person um i've allowed myself to build slowly enough and let it come and and that and that's resulted in some good things i think
0: so kind of like before we move to the final questions that i ask every guest i kind of like want to Touch on like the fact of happiness, like where you were, I guess, like the past couple of years, and to where you are now. I mean, like, how would you characterize that 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 happiness and like where what you're feeling?
1: Yeah, I I think. I I mean, I think running will always. I've learned running will always be a key to like just mental balance for me. Like, I'm pretty type A, and I I operate kind of like 100 miles an hour. Like, that was a big that was an that was an adjustment when I started working in corporate. I think you're used to in, 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 in running being like, this is my goal. I'm just going to chase it and get after it as, as hard as I can. And yeah, I have to learn to pull back, you know, not everybody operates at that pace um, in the regular world. And so um, I've kind of, I learned that lesson and then kind of reapplied it to running here. Um, but running itself makes it a lot easier. I think to have that mental balance where a good day, you know, you can kind of compartmentalize it. Um, a bad day you can compartmentalize it, and you end up net in this kind of really good balanced mental space um, running tires you out enough and and gives you these moments of clarity i think when you 're out on a longer run um, that 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 just for someone like me just keep me in a good headspace and so just physically running is running is really good for that, and then it's it 's been fun to just kind of have a goal again like it 's the the prospect of i think one. The fact that, hey, this comeback is kind of for real now and I'm I'm actually doing it, that's really exciting. And two, the fact that like as opposed to, you know, in contrast to like 2014, 15, 16, the training isn't breaking me down. Like I'm seeing improvements every week. I'm seeing things steadily, steadily go. And I'm not necessarily even really trying to find those big jumps. They're just things are happening just by me showing up and just ticking the boxes every day. And that's that's super fun because that allows you then to look forward to the next week. To the next week into the next week and so i think because there's a global pandemic and the world's in a very interesting different place like it's hard to make comparisons between how life was when everything was normal and you're just going to work every day and you're going to happy hour and you're having a good time you're hanging with your friends i mean it's it's quiet up here like i'm, a, I'm away from all from the majority of people that i'm friends with i've made some really good friends here and, and obviously it's, it's it's great having Hass here but like it's quiet so that part can be really tough, but then I have this goal. I so it's almost a trade off and I don't necessarily want to compare the two. They're, they're really different. It almost just kind of feels like I'm kind of taking a year I'm a bit removed from everything. I'm like in the moon, you know, <laughs> stuck in this long-term training camp with this one focus. Um, but I'm, but honestly, like I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's given me a lot of time to think about things and you also get to think about things that you, you maybe don't think about when you're in the, <clears throat> you're in the, um, hamster wheel of a nine to five and you you have things like um you know car house like these different things that you build up around yourself to put you in a certain place like you don't have those now now i'm up here i get to think about like what do i want my life to look at like in 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 a year yeah i'd love to make the olympics but what do i want my life to look like in five years like do i want to live in the u.s anymore that's something i've been thinking about that i never would have thought about i think if i was just you know um on the regular routine and regular schedule. again, I think the way things are politically, that's also made you think about it, but, but you just have time to reevaluate a lot of things. And that's, that's been fun. You know, that's been a good reset, get to take a step back and take a look at yourself. And again, I think anybody who's in this pandemic and has more time in their hands can take advantage of that opportunity to say, oh, am I happy with things? Am I, am I good with how my life is? Am I good at the person I am? What can I improve? Or what can I get after to make life a little bit more fulfilling? You know,
0: Yeah, because I mean, like I just recorded an episode of like the Runners of NYC podcast with a four-time Paralympian uh, who decided he's going to go for a fifth one, and he's thirty-one years old, aging, but this year has afforded him, you know, the extra chance to to give it a go. And the last question I asked him was sort of like if you don't make the team or if there even is no Olympics because we, we can't put our head in the sand and just, we could be as optimistic as possible, but that's also a possibility. Uh, what makes this whole thing worth it? And for you looking at that poster where it's the not dead yet tour, um, there's no Tokyo on there yet. So it's like, you like, what makes it worth it?
1: You know, um, like it's, it's funny, I was watching this, uh, uh, you know, obviously, obviously, there's some inspiration from that, from that poster taken from the Grateful Dead and um, I was uh, watching a video the other night of Jerry Garcia talking about where they got the name, um, the inspiration from the Grateful Dead and they were originally this band called the Warlocks and another band that ended up being The Velvet Underground had the name the Warlocks so they had to change the name and they were trying to figure out the name and jerry garcia is with phil lesh and they're in the house their house on Hay street in san francisco and they pull out this dictionary this random dictionary and the first word jerry garcia says is is grateful dead and and he said it resonated with him because you know it wasn't it wasn't a somber tone surrounding death there was like a hint of optimism in it that you you could turn the page on something and almost look back retrospectively from that place into your life and say yeah like this how can we do something different here? How can we do something fun? Um, and and um, in the same video, um, he talks about looking at these two towers in LA that the government was trying to tear down and saying that he never wanted to make something, he didn't want to make something that, that lasted post-death that was just made so it would stand the test of time. He wanted to have fun in the moment. He wanted to make something that while he was there, while he was doing it, was the most fun he had in the world. So to me, it's not necessarily you know, taking inspiration from that, it's not necessarily making an Olympics and, and um, having a statistic on a piece of paper that's gonna five, 10 years from now, I'm gonna say, oh, I made the Olympics. It's going through the process day to day and having fun in the workouts, having fun in the runs, bullshitting with the boys um, on runs like we, we do today, you know, and like I'm hands on knees with Chess. Sometimes that guy's hilarious. Um, just having fun that in itself will have been a win, um, as opposed to the destination. I guess this is really cliche, but, you know, I'd say like the journey, not the destination is perhaps more important than this. And taking that, taking that mindset, I think wherever the destination will be, it'll be a fun place. And I do think Olympics are no Olympics. I think there'll be a better, there'll be a better, um, um end to the to the running narrative than a than a DNF in Portland track fest. So I think of that I'm I'm pretty confident at this point. So
0: well said. I uh all right, so final questions we ask every guest. First one, yeah. it's the funniest drug testing story you have.
1: Oh my goodness. Um funniest drug testing story I have. I mean I, I remember I remember um Nick Simmons and I got drug tested um we were living together um, and, and and sometimes they would these drug testers, they would do a two for one, you know? Um, and I think it was, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't like, I guess it is kind of funny, but I mean, I, I was, I was seeing a girl at the time who had no idea like what was, what, what that was, that I was really, what running was or like, what, whatever. Um, and so like I get a knock on the door or a knock on the door comes and I'm banging on the door. like oh, start Go upstairs, um, the living room's upstairs and we're both getting, getting drug tested. And I guess this, this girl's passed out. So like, I don't wake, wake her up or anything, go to the drug test. And then she wakes up for her own volition and comes upstairs. And like, basically it's just like, what the, what the, like, what the fuck's happening? What, what's going on? And it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, we're just getting drug tested, you know? I think she thinks that like, I'm under some like police surveillance program, you know, um, that like I've, I've, I have, yeah, like, that, like that, that I've been pulled over like super high. And 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 now like I'm wearing an ankle bracelet and need to pass this test. It's just storms out. <laughs> Storms out of the house. Never. I don't think I. I mean, I, I think I did hear from her again, but was at the time just com- completely thought it was it was related to some type of crime that I had committed. Um, and Simmons and I were just laughing. we were just like, God, this this to us it's pretty normal, you know, this drug testing thing. But um, I guess to regular people it probably seems insane, you know.
0: <laughs> Meanest thing you've read about yourself on Let'sRun.com.
1: Um meanest thing i mean i think people i I don't really care people people say that you know when i ran well in 2011 that i came out of nowhere that i was doping but i i don't actually mind that too much i think that's kind of funny you know people can think that that's cool um i I don't i don't think i've seen a whole lot on that that's probably the most i think if i if what i've read about myself on let's run is that when i when i ran that i must have been i must have been doping because i was such a shit runner after 2012 i just got hurt as oh yeah he just took some drugs in 2011 made a world comment in Korea and then just then went off the drugs again. But I wonder, you know, maybe I'll come, but maybe if I come back now and run well, maybe they'll say, but I'm back on them again. We'll see.
0: If you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold a nice conversational pace with you, where would this run take place and who would it be with?
1: Ooh. Um, I'm a huge Christopher Hitchens fan. I mean, you, I'm sure you've read, you've read, you've read some Hitchens and, um, I think, he was a fascinating guy, fascinating orator. Um, had traveled the world, uh, you know, and, and done some amazing um, editorial work for Vanity Fair. Um, I think to 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 be able to go on a run, he he would struggle to hold a pace. That guy drank a lot of whiskey, smoked a lot of cigarettes. But I would love to run with him and get his thoughts on 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 some of the things he'd seen, being in the Middle East. Thoughts on Henry Kissinger. I think he had some fascinating points of view on things. And where would it be? oh man i don't know um i've never I mean, you know it's funny i've not been to kenya you know and, and actually i was talking to Chez today and i was like man we need to we need to do this you know we need, to, we need to go to africa we need to do a training stint so i guess taking hitchens to africa would be kind of cool maybe we could do some like also then just do some exploration into this the whole political scene there and everything that's happening i think that would be fascinating to see that through his lens so i take him to kenya if he could survive
0: that's a great answer i like that one yeah uh And then the final one has nothing to do with running. You get 25 shots from half court on a basketball court. If you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots?
1: No, no, no way. Irish people are so bad at basketball. Like we kick, (laughs) we kick things. We kick things growing up. Like the only, yeah, the only thing we do, let me just, we just lift up cups of tea with our hands. That's all we do. I would be fucking useless. Uh, and then like I mean, what are you gonna do with twenty five? I mean, I I don't need much, you know. I enjoy I enjoy hanging. I I, I yeah. Twenty. I thought you were gonna say twenty five million dollars, like five years in jail. Like twenty five years. If I'm twenty five, I'm, I'm that's
0: it. That's practically the rest of your life. Yeah. I'm thirty two
1: now, so twenty five. That's five. Fifty. Yeah. It's fifty. Fifty. Fifty seven. Yeah, man. I don't want to be. I mean. 57 is brutal. You talked about coming out of running with with no work experience, man. Can you imagine me at 57 coming out? What did you do? Oh, yeah, I was a pro runner. Then I was in jail for 25 years. Why? <laughs> yeah, couldn't make any. Couldn't make shots in half court. Yeah, we're gonna hire that guy. No, fuck that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm 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 steering clear of that one.
0: Kieran, this was this is great and I'm wishing you the best of luck on uh on this comeback. I'm hoping to see some more more stops on the poster soon soon enough. But uh Yeah, we have some fun things
1: planned. I think I think you're gonna see um we're working through it at the moment. Um, but the uh the poster is gonna start filling up um with some conventional and not so conventional um opportunities to show some fitness. So um yeah, stay tuned. I'm sure Instagram will, will, will will be your guide on that. Sweet. Chris, have a good man
0: that's all for this episode of the show. Many thanks to Kieran for the chat. If you listened to and enjoyed this episode, give us a shout out in your Instagram stories. We'll repost it to all our followers and it helps new people discover the show. Also, if you're feeling super generous, take the extra second to leave a little review on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate that. Also, very quickly, I'm doing a weekly newsletter where you can get your fix of all the news in the running community. As well as analysis and commentary from yours truly. So stay up to date. It takes one minute to sign up. The link is included in the show notes. Many thanks to Gooder for sponsoring the show. Show some love for the sponsors and pick up a pair of the most affordable performance sunglasses. They're only 25 bucks and come in great styles. All you have to do is visit gooder.com/sidious. That's g-o-o-d-r.com/sidious to see some of my favorite lenses and styles. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. Keep those eyes looking gooder.